If you have a Bible, I really encourage you to turn to 1 Kings 17 as we look at this passage tonight under the title, Power Over Death. Power Over Death. As we look at this story of Elijah and the widow of Saraphath's son, it's good to ask the question, how does it fit into the story of redemption? In other words, how does it fit into the big story of the Bible? What is its place in understanding what salvation is all about, what God is doing? And as we think about that, and we think of the, the place of this story in fitting in with what God is doing, the first thing I want us to see is the hardness of hearts. Jesus spoke about this story of Elijah going to the widow of Saraphath. In Luke 4, we read this in verse 25, But in truth I tell you that there were many widows in Israel in the days of Elijah, when the heavens were shut up for three years and six months, and a great famine came over all the land, and Elijah was sent to none of them, but only to Saraphath in the land of Sidon, to a woman who was a widow. Now, let me give you the background of when Jesus said that. He has been visiting his hometown of Nazareth, and he said this in response to the hardness that he saw in the hearts of these Jewish people that he had grown up with in Nazareth. And that's when he made that very famous statement no prophet is acceptable in his hometown. And a few moments later, they took Jesus to the brow of a hill in order to throw him over the edge, only for Jesus to escape. The hardness of the hearts of those people of Nazareth, which they showed in response to what Jesus had been sharing from God's Word, in many ways, was the same as the hardness of hearts that the people of Israel had in Elijah's day. A hardness of heart to God's prophet, but particularly, and I think this is one of the themes in this section, the hardness of their hearts to the Word of God that was shared. And you remember, God, in response to this, response to that hardness to his truth, he sent this three and a half years of drought. And during that time, Elijah, bypassing all the widows, all the people in need in Israel, is instead sent to out of Israel to this foreign nation of Sidon, which was Queen Jezebel's home country. And the prophet of God, the the surer of God's Word is being removed from Israel and instead going to this foreign woman as a sign of judgment on the hardness of hearts of the people of God who are rejecting His truth. They would not listen, and so God takes His messenger away. And there's a real challenge here for all of us about how seriously we take God's Word. If we harden our hearts to this Word, there's a real danger of that Word being 
taken from us. Now, we may still go through the motions of reading. We may still go through the motions of sitting in services. But there's a real danger that God will stop speaking to our hearts. Every time we hear the word, the King of Kings requires a response. But the wonderful thing in this story is that while at this period God's grace was bypassing the hearts of the people of Israel, God's grace was breaking into the sinful heart of this woman of Sidon. And as we look at this story, we're going to see some wonderful truths about how God's grace breaks into hard hearts. The children will go to their Good News Club now, and they will be doing a quiz. And one of the questions I could have asked in that quiz is, who was raised from the dead in tonight's story? And the obvious answer is, the widow's son was raised from the dead. But there was somebody else who was raised from the dead. In this story tonight, we see the widow, spiritually, being raised from the dead. And so while the people of Israel are being bypassed, God's grace is raising this woman to new life. So that's the first point, the hardness of hearts. But then we come to the grace of conviction. Now, when the widow's son dies, as can be expected, she's absolutely distraught. She's confused because she thought when she obeyed Elijah's word and provided for his needs, and when she received that promise that the oil and the flour would not run dry while the the drought would last, she took from that an assurance that both she and her son would live and outlive the time of drought. But now, after being faithful to what she was told, her son is still dead, she feels hurt, she feels confused, and she points the finger of blame at Elijah. But in what she says to Elijah, there is something very revealing. Look there at verse 18. And she said to Elijah, What have you against me, O man of God? You have come to me to bring my sin to remembrance and to cause the death of my son. Now, we may expect her to point the finger about the death of her son, but it's that little bit before that which is surprising and interesting. You have brought my sin to remembrance. So, in the the background of these events with the death of this boy, God is at work through Elijah. God has been convicting this woman of her sin. Now, it appears the woman, she showed some obedience in indeed obeying what Elijah said, but she was not a woman of true faith in the Lord as yet. And what was needed for her to be a woman of truth, if one of the things was needed, first of all, was that she would have genuine conviction of her sinfulness before God. And you know, it is certainly the task for those of us who are preachers of the gospel, but it is also the task of every believer, every Christian, to be used by God's Spirit 
because ultimately it's only God's Spirit who can do this, but for us to be used by God's Spirit so that people are brought to a point of conviction over their sin. And there are at least two ways we can share with people in order to help conviction to come. First of all, we have to share with people the truth of God's Word. Not compromise, not soften it, not adjust it to help a modern society. We have to give the full truth. As we may say in court, I'll tell the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth, so help me God. Share the truth with this world. And the second thing that we are to do is to share a life of holiness, which is also powerful in doing this. These two things working hand in hand are powerful instruments in the hand of God in order to bring conviction upon a sinful people. Now, Elijah was a prophet of God, and I'm sure during his time living with his widow and her son, he shared with her the truth about the one true God of Israel. As she was brought up in Sidon, she worshipped Asherah and Baal would have been the gods she worshipped. And I'm sure Elijah would not have spent that time without pointing her to the true God of Israel. The true God of Israel, what He is like and what He requires, requires of her. But at the same time, she would have been observing the life of Elijah. She would have seen a man who lived in a very different way. And those two things working together, Elijah sharing the truth about God and Elijah's holy life, brought conviction of sin upon this lady. And this is absolutely essential. Jesus said, it is not the healthy who needed a doctor, but the sick. He hadn't come for the healthy for the sick. But by that, he didn't mean that there were people who didn't need his help. He was really saying is that people will only come to him, people will only come to him, salvation, when they genuinely see their need of salvation. In other words, when they are convinced of the seriousness of their problem of sin. I don't know if you have a conversation ever in your house, which happens sometimes in our house, and it can happen two ways. Somebody maybe is not so well, and over a period of time is displaying some symptoms of an illness, and the other person says, you need to ring the doctor. And what is often the reply? Oh, it's not that serious. It'll be, it'll be okay. And a few days later, the, there's still that problem. Maybe it's got worse. And still the person said, well, I'll leave it a few days. And we keep putting it off. We partly don't want to get in the long queue when we ring, but we keep putting off and think we'll be okay. It's maybe not the wisest thing to do with medical issues, but it is certainly not wise at all to do in regards your soul. The seriousness of the problem of sin is immense. You will not just be okay. It will not just get better by itself. You need to be convinced of this. You need to be convinced of your sin, convinced of the seriousness, and realize you need to see something done about it. By God's grace, in the midst of what is happening here with this lady, with the visit of Elijah, with the death of her son, God was convincing this woman of the seriousness 
of her sin, a seriousness that needed a solution. So there's the first thing. Now, this is tough, but this is what we need, the grace of conviction. And then the next thing we see here is the miracle of resurrection in verses 19 to 22. This widow would progress towards faith through the miracle that would take place of her son being raised from the dead. And miracles have had a very important role in testifying to the truth of God's Word. And indeed, in the, the Bible, at times of great revelation, like at the time of Moses, like in the time of Elijah, at times of great revelation, often they are accompanied by wonderful miracles. On the day of Pentecost, Peter said this, Men of Israel, hear these words. Jesus of Nazareth, a man attested you by God with mighty works and wonders and signs that God did through him in your midst, as you yourselves know. And so Peter is saying that the miracles that were done through Jesus, that was part of God's plan to prove who he is. If you want someone to come to faith in Christ. One of the ways we, best ways we can help people to do that is to get them to read the Gospels. Let them be confronted, yes, with the teaching of Jesus, but let them be confronted with the supernatural power of God that was working through Jesus in the miracles that he did. And Peter, in that great sermon on the day of Pentecost, after speaking about those signs and wonders that attested to Jesus, then goes on and speaks of the greatest miracle of all, which was his resurrection from the dead. This is the, the bedrock of Christianity. This is what our faith rests on, the resurrection of Jesus. Yes, the death, but also the resurrection of Jesus. And to the skeptical, the, the skeptical and unbelieving, we tell them how all the evidence for them to believe. And they say, you need evidence. Well, we can tell them all the evidence you need to believe in Christianity, to believe in Jesus, is there in the eyewitness accounts of the resurrection, in the accounts recorded by Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, and Paul. Let me just mention Paul. In 1 Corinthians 15, he says this about Jesus. He was raised on the third day in accordance with the Scriptures, and that he appeared to Cephas, that's Peter, then to the twelve. Then he appeared to more than 500 brothers at one time, most of whom are still alive. In other words, you can go to them and check this out though some have fallen asleep. Then he appeared to James, then to all the apostles. Last of all, as to one untimely born, he appeared also to me. So the message of Jesus being crucified and buried and then being raised from the dead is what has brought people to faith in Jesus. And what this poor widow 
would have a foretaste of, in her son being raised from the dead, she had a foretaste of the resurrecting power of God, which would help her to come to that point of faith in the Lord. Let's for a moment here just look a bit closer at, at the son being raised here, at exactly what happened. Look at verse 19. And he said to her, give me your son. And he took him from her arms and carried him up into the upper chamber where he lodged and laid him on his own bed. Now, what was going through Elijah's mind? How was he feeling? I'm sure his heart was broken. I'm sure his stomach was churning within him. I'm sure as he climbed those steps, his, his knees were weak. He's a a man of like nature to us. Look at verse 20. And he cried to the Lord, O Lord my God, have you brought calamity even upon the widow with whom I sojourn by killing her son? Elijah's not cold. He's not indifferent to the pain that has been caused. And he brings it to the Lord. He is honest with the Lord. He comes from the perspective of faith. He comes from the perspective of reverence. But he's open. He's honest. Lord, basically, what are you doing here, Lord? What's going on here? He's honest with the Lord. Then look at verse 21. Then he stressed himself upon the child three times and cried to the Lord, O Lord, my God, let this child's life come into him again. Now, this is curious, isn't it? Uh, it's strange, him lying on the boy. I think it was, it's almost as if he's trying to see life pass from him to the boy. And that's a, a picture of salvation, that the life we have in Christ, we want it to infect other people and to share other people. But what about this three times? And this is emphasized here. Three times he prays. Three times he falls on the boy. Three times he falls down. Now, this speaks of great intensity. It speaks of great seriousness in his praying. But praying and falling three times. Does that remind you of anything? Does that remind you of anyone? Surely it speaks of Gethsemane. Surely it points to how Jesus, three times, with great intensity, would fall down. Three times he had fall down and pray with earnestness to the Father, not just that the cup would be removed. That's only a, a part of what he prayed in Gethsemane. His prayer was, once he knew the cup would not be removed, his prayer was that God's will would be done, that the work of salvation would be achieved, that the work of salvation would be accomplished through what he would do on the cross. What a Savior who pleaded for us. And as we think of Elijah, here, falling three times on the boy with such intensity because of his praying. 
Elijah is being Christ-like. Elijah is becoming like a Savior. And this reminds us that we really become a blessing to others when we become more and more like Jesus, and particularly more and more like Jesus in pleading for God's grace in the place of prayer. And so, we have this miracle of resurrection. This brings us then to our final point, which is the faith in the Word. I think verse 23 here is beautiful. Elijah took the child and brought him down from the upper chamber into the house and delivered him to his mother. And Elijah said, See, your son lives. Can you imagine that? What a beautiful scene. What a a moving scene. Can you imagine what the mother would have been like? A mixture of shock and joy. Oh, how glorious. Her son is brought from death to life. Resurrection has happened in the life of her son. What's the impact of this resurrection? Look what the widow says next in verse 24. And the woman said to Elijah, Now I know that you are a man of God, and that the word of the Lord in your mouth is truth. Through her son being raised, she has come to believe in God's prophet. She's come to believe in God's word that comes through that prophet. She was first moved when she met Elijah, when she was gathering sticks for that last meal for her and her son when they first met. She was absolutely desperate. She would have been willing to try anything to find a bit of hope, but she didn't become a true believer in the Lord at that point. She didn't become a true believer in the Lord's Word. She was seeing what could be achieved. But now she becomes a true believer. Now she comes to embrace the truth of the God of Israel. And here's something very important. Faith in the Lord can never be separated from faith in the Lord's Word. You do not trust Jesus if you do not trust what Jesus says. You do not trust God if you do not trust what God says. You do not trust the Lord if you do not live your life by what the Lord says. Trusting in the Lord, trusting in His Word, those two things have to go hand in hand. Now, as we think of this faith, in the Lord's Word that's come into the life of this woman. Remember what the big problem was in Israel? They had rejected God's Word. That was seen in their idolatry, which was against God's Word. It was seen in the king marrying a foreign woman of another faith, which was against God's Word. It was seen in the actions of Hiel, at the end of chapter 16, who rebuilt the city of Jericho against God's Word. This was a a nation. These were a people. This was a king who were rejecting God's Word. But here we see this 
foreign woman. God was still at work. She becomes a trophy of grace. The embracing of God's Word came through God's Spirit working in the grace of conviction, working through the miracle of resurrection. Has God's grace worked in you? Has God's grace brought you from darkness to light? Has God's grace brought you from spiritual death to spiritual life? Has God's grace brought you from sin to righteousness? Let's recap. Power over death. We have the hardness of the hearts of the people of God. We have the grace of conviction causing this woman to see her need. We have the miracle of resurrection which points to the truth of the one true God of Israel. And we have the faith in the Word. Tell me in this story, who was brought from death to life? Yes, the Son, but by God's grace spiritually, his mum was brought from spiritual death to spiritual new life. What an amazing God, the God of Elijah. Let us pray. Oh God, our Father, help us never to rob Christianity and to rob the gospel of its power. Help us never to change the message of the Scripture to a message of just morality and loving and being kind to people. Father, help us to embrace the gospel and the big message of Scripture for what it is, bringing people from death to life from spiritual death of people who have closed their lives to the living God, to a people of new life, born again by your Spirit, by your grace. Oh, Father, for those of us here this evening who have experienced this new life, oh, Father, may it be our passion to be used like Elijah, to see others convicted of their sin Oh, Lord, may we never compromise with the truth of your word and share it even when it's unpopular. Share it wisely, share it graciously, but share it truthfully. Oh, Father, help us to be people of holiness so that others, when they look at our lives, they'll see a people who are different. Oh, Father, that's hard because we don't like to be different and to stand out. But, Father, that's our calling. And, Father, thank you that's by being different. By your grace, we can be used to cause others to see their need. And, Father, for any who are in this building tonight, for any, Father, who are watching online, who this miracle of new life has not happened to them, oh, God, by your grace, bring them from death to life. Convict them of their sin. 
Cause them to see that all the evidence that is needed to trust in the living God is found in the resurrection of your son. And bring them to that faith in your word, in the gospel, in your son, who is the very word of God. For such grace we pray. In Jesus' name, amen.